Hello and welcome to another episode of Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through 101 movies to see before you die. I'm Jacob. I'm Kat. I'm Nick. And this week is Star Wars, the original trilogy. Woo! <laughs> I'm very loud. Um, so, Star Wars is probably one of the biggest franchises of all time. If not Never the biggest. If not the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even go there. What are you doing here? <laughs> um... So on the list we have 101 movies. It features the original trilogy and none of the rest of the films. So we're going to try and focus mostly on those three, but obviously we'll talk about the other vaguely yeah. what, five films so far. In the f- we'll well, we'll try not to Terminator it. Yeah, and go um, for too long. <laughs> so I think I was going to do something a little bit different this week in regards to how I talk about the movies. Um, because there's a very interesting story behind how Star Wars came to be. Well, let's start with yes. that then. So I'm just going to bring my notes closer. Ow. Ooh. Okay. okay. Why did you get organised before we started? Because <laughs> I thought I could read it from there, but it was too far away. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let's just do this. So George Lucas created Star Wars... And it was kind of this passion project for him that he always wanted to, you know, create something that was different, unique, and this new revitalization of the serials he used to love as a child. So he found success as writer and director of American Graffiti in 1973, which gained him the backing of 20th Century Fox, um, who put in $9.5 million for the production of the first Star Wars film. Which, by today's standards, isn't much, but in the seventies, accounting for inflation, yeah. it's a yeah, lot. it's a lot. Um, so, at the at first, Star Wars was a very different idea. Characters called different things, and there was it was a much different story to the final product we finally got. Um, the film shot over four years. Oh my god! With I didn't know that filming in Tunisia. Death Valley, um, California, and Sound Stages in England. Did that have like the whole like cast for four years? Holy shit! It was a huge production, and that was Star Wars, which has later been renamed as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, the space opera genre, I suppose you can say that it fits into, was like this movie changed cinema forever. Like, the groundbreaking visual effects, the story, the scale, it changed what it meant to go to the movies. And it marked kind of a turning point for this sci-fi fantasy. It was only like this sci-fi fantasy genre hitting the mainstream. Gone from the TV serials to epic blockbuster film. Well, it's the original blockbuster. Yeah, it is the... So... The film centres on Luke Skywalker, who was originally Starkiller, <laughs> the original character. Um, what a pl- name. <laughs> played by, at the time, relatively unknown actor Mark Hamill, who's now probably one of the biggest names in the world because of this. Everyone knows who he is. Um, I would say him less so than everyone else. Like, maybe now. Yeah. Like, but Harrison but like, Ford was probably yeah. but he the was biggest. A, he was one that was sort of... 
he'd been in a few things before this. Yeah, yeah true. But I think Mark Hamill's been... And I'll come like, to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like been out of like the public yeah. eye for like quite a while. Well, like it wasn't until episode seven. Yeah, he kind of did a lot of voice acting stuff yeah, rather yeah, than... Yeah, well, he's done Joker and, yeah. and yeah, like he, whatever Mark else. Hamill did a couple of like... There was Star Wars and he did a couple other things at the time, but then moved much more into voice acting and... Mm that side of things rather than by choice do you reckon i think it was i think yeah. he had such a like his voice and what he's done in voice acting since has such a talent yeah with he, like what he can ma the voices he can make that i think he's mm. really made a like a good living and a good career well he yeah. wouldn't need to using, do anything yeah. really after star wars yeah. if he didn't want to but yeah, yeah true so it focuses on Luke Skywalker, who's a young man that finds himself embroiled in an interplanetary war between the Empire and the Rebel forces. Star Wars itself, it was mapped like George Lucas always mapped out this trilogy, he had this storyline in his head going into it, but he knew that if Star Wars wasn't successful, he'd never get to make the other two. So the first one was set up as a stand, essentially as a standalone film. It has the story begins and has a you know middle and there's a definitive ending that if the others weren't made this story would the story would make sense like there's not that mm -hmm. many questions left unanswered yeah. that it would be like oh what you know what happened after this like it's that's it yeah it's finished but it's also so open that it's so easy to continue the story in empire and return of the jedi mm. it, it flows so well um so he f runs into opportunistic smuggler Han Solo played by Harrison Ford mm. <laughs> I love Harrison Ford so much. Harrison Ford was originally brought on <coughs> to Star Wars as part of the casting process so he'd sit in the room with the actors auditioning run lines with them give them advice and he'd bounce lines so he was there when Mark Hamill auditioned he was there when Carrie Fisher auditioned and he'd run the lines of Han Solo off them but also give advice to those auditioning for Han Solo. And it got to the point that George Lucas was just like, no, I want you to be Han Solo. Because of the way he was presenting the character in Mark Hamill's audition and Carrie Fisher's audition, he was like, no, this is, you're actually the one I want. Instead of, you know, they auditioned so many other people. And then, yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford. Do you know who else was up for it? Um, I did have it written down. But I'm not going to lose my place there, so I'm just going to bring it back up. Unless one of you guys want to Google it while keep, I keep going. Keep talking, I'll Google it. Right. So they are then tasked, well, tasked with um, saving Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher, or the late Carrie Fisher, from captivity on a massive space station commanded by the menacing Darth Vader. And there's a really great story about the character of Darth Vader. I can't remember the actor's name that was in the suit. David Prowse. David Prowse. Yeah. But through the whole movie, he says the lines. And, it's, so, and it it's, sounds so dopey. If you, if you hear it, if you hear the unedited audio, it's really funny because it just does, yeah. his voice does not fit the presence of Darth Vader. But he is saying the lines. He got to the premiere screening of this movie, went in to watch it and found out that his voice was not the voice of Darth Vader. And in fact, they'd put James Earl Jones's voice in instead because it was a much more deep, menacing presence. So he found out that he wasn't the voice of Darth Vader in the movie theatre. Poor guy. So he's, you know, he's bought all his friends. Imagine, if, you yeah. did, imagine if walking in and being like, I sound good. Like, yeah. my voice. That was yes. more like, this isn't me. And there was supposedly a um, 
conversation with George Lucas afterwards and it's like, what the hell, man? A like, conversation. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. And he returned for many more films in the suit. So obviously they worked it out. And he's a good he was, physical yeah. actor. <laughs> yeah. His pre- like physical presence on screen is fantastic. But yeah, James L. Jones provides the voice. And that, like, that iconic Darth Vader voice, like, James L. Jones is deep. It's a menacing presence when he talks. And if you hear. Yeah, yeah. it's scary. So Luke Skywalker finds out that he has this special ability. Do you want me to read the list of actors that were almost Han Solo? First, uh, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Robert England, Chevy Chase. Oh, God. Why is it always (laughs) Chevy Chase? It's all anything from the 70s and 80s. Nick Nolte. Uh, oh God, Guy Terman, James Khan. Yeah, I've never seen him before. <laughs> James Khan, Al Pacino, Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Billy Jeez. D. Williams, Tom Selleck. I knew Billy D. Williams was one, and then that's how he ended up. Yeah, uh, Christopher Walken, Jack Nicholson, Steve Martin, and Kurt Russell. Gosh, that's according to Banana Ten Fifteen dot com. I have watched Kurt Russell's audition. All oh, right, he'd probably be the better of all yeah, those I assume um, oh, yeah he was right here yeah really good um, because last week in prep so usually we watch the movies we're going to talk about but I've recently been watching Star Wars because obviously Rise of Skywalker comes out this week and by the time actually by the time this comes out Rise of Skywalker would have already come out but um, instead I watched Return of the Jedi but I also watched if I can find what it's called um empire of dreams which is a documentary on disney plus so it's the story of the original star wars trilogy and it's like a two and a half hour documentary and it goes through everything that happened in the creation is this where you got all the info a lot of yeah (laughs) so i recommend anyone that's interested to go and watch empire of dreams it's a fantastic it's about two and a half hours and it's a really good telling and breaking down of everything that went into the process of making this movie um, cool. So, Star Wars initially opened in only 42 theatres and earned almost $3 million in its first week. By the So, that's, you know, a third of its budget. By the end of the summer, it had grossed $100 million. Which Back is then. absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so crazy. The film won six Academy Awards. And it revolutionised the way that movies were made and especially in the development of probably one of the greatest special effects companies, if not the greatest special effects company that there is, which is Industrial Light Magic. So in the creation of this, like computers at this point could just create a black and white kind of, and you see it in the film. There's these black and white kind of just scrolling pieces. And you see it shows the Death Star plants and the little, you know, the plan for the photon torpedo to go down into mm-hmm. the thing. Like that is generally like that display is the capability of computers at this time. So they had to develop a way to create space battles, to create all these different things and show it on screen. And obviously with film, like I know me and Nick are used to editing 
now and you can just it's all layers yeah. like everything's just part of it and you can just move things around and it's super easy you're not happy with something you can just move it you know or add something else in but back then like in film it was you had to know every single piece of that shot that was going to come together before you filmed it and they did this so it's all compositing it's all everything they film is real hmm. and it's just things are stacked on it so all the explosions all the spaceships, everything, are models, their miniatures, their stop work animation, like everything they did was real and it's composite. But in order to do something like that, they had, so, so like the X-Wings, for example, you have to have an X-Wing that moves across the screen with a space background or a ship in the background, but you can't, so they had to create different layers. So they, what they do, they'd expose the X-Wing, yep. cut it out, then, well, so they expose it on black and white so you only get certain colours. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. They then cut that out, re-expose the red layer and then the blue layer over the top and you'd get a blackout background. So there'd be a shape, an X-Wing shape in this background that would track across the film to show the X-Wing but block out everything else. Then over that shape, you'd add your next layer, your next layer, your next layer. So when, by the time you composite the piece of film, there's multiple layers stacked on top of each other and it just moves mm. and it shows your final scene. The other thing is, so many backgrounds in Star Wars, almost everything is a hand-painted picture. From the forest moons of Endor in number six to Mos Eisley in the first one, Hoth, everything is just hand-painted. And it's absolute insanity that they, like, composed a hand-painted picture with people moving on it. Like, the, ma the main scene when the Millennium Falcon gets drawn into the hangar of the Death Star, most of that is hand-painted with the like Millennium Falcon model moving across and there's people composited moving <coughs> across the bottom of that and it is a hand-painted picture. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I didn't know all that, like even Hoth. I thought they actually... No. Well, they film, yeah. they, like a lot of it is filmed on location, like right. in the desert, mm -hmm. but they, when, like, you know, in, for the scenes on Tatooine in the desert, there's scenes where it's all sand, there's a background, there's a rocky background. Yeah. That's just a hand-painted thing. That's not actually there. Mm. In Hoth, not. they're in the snow, but then there's hand-painted to add mm. detail in. Like the walkers in the yeah. Battle of Hoth. And yeah, yeah. Like, there's only three models, but there's five walkers. The back two are literally cardboard cutouts sat there <laughs> in the background. Oh, that's great. <laughs> in, like, so all these different things pioneered the way that things were done. And I actually have a um, quote here from Ken Rolston from Drew the Production of Return of the Jedi. And it's about the opening crawl. Star Wars' iconic opening crawl. So each of the eight episodic Star Wars films we've had so far, with number nine coming out in a couple of days, will already come out when this gets released, um, begins nearly identically in which a text a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away comes up in blue writing, followed by the Star Wars logo and this massive injection of the score. And then... The text rolls. So it's a downward tilt reveals the f the downward tilt reveals the film's episode number and title, um, capitalized and three paragraph summary of the events immediately prior to the events of the film. Come scrolls through. So obviously now that's done digitally, and it's really easy. It's mm. a plugin. You just well, drag there, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's literally I have a website saved. Yeah. In which you can just create your own Star Same Wars. Same with putting in X wings. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> and just drop it in. As in there. But this time, so um, 
one of the things we still have to shoot is the opening crawl. Shooting that crawl is actually one of the hardest things on these shows. The artwork itself is only about four feet long and maybe <coughs> four foot wide. The camera is really low to the ground and we use a tilted, sorry, we use a tilting lens to eliminate a lot of focus problems. But everything has to be lined up just perfectly. And you spend days running through tests. Every little blemish shows up, a little bump, any little movement of the camera is going to screw up this big 2,000 frame long take. It's fun, but pure torture. So were they actually scrolling a piece of paper and they filming that? It was a piece of glass, I think. They had yeah. it printed on a piece of glass. And they, just had to, like, they had to scroll oh it, past, yeah. push it past push the it. camera. Yeah. Which is insane because the perspective in that, if you watch these movies, that text disappears off into the distance. Mm. Yeah. And that's just a piece of glass going in front of the camera. So all these groundbreaking techniques that look amazing are genuinely just it's all everything is practical i'm surprised That's he great. even got to do that in the end because this movie well, you'll i'm sure you'll get to it but this was like a disaster during production I'm, oh yeah i'm surprised i went like no george just do it normally <laughs> just like bring it up the normal way and just get it done so um where is it i'm gonna jump to a piece in the filming um, th this led almost led to an international incident and a war almost broke out because of the filming of this movie. What? So they had um, a large scale version of the um, sand crawler, the Jawa sand crawler, mm. and they were filming it on set in Tunisia and they were too close to the local border with the next country which when I find it, um, if I can find it, here we go. So, um, while filming scenes for New Hope in Tunisia near the Libyan border, a war nearly broke out when the Libyan government threatened military action after they noticed a large military vehicle near their territory. Thankfully, that vehicle turned out to be a Jarlan sandcrawler and the Tunisian government just had Lucas move it further from the border and the crisis was averted. <laughs> so they genuinely almost started a war. Uh. Because I had this huge vehicle. I mean, it wasn't the size of what it is yeah. in, in scale of the movie, but it was still a large Yeah, you'd model. still look at it and go, yeah. what is that? People, like someone was driving it. <laughs> and yeah, it was, they were just like, um, what what's is this? That? Why is it driving towards us? <laughs> so yeah, it was very close to um, being a massive international disaster. Um, That's funny. So... Where am I? Because I just got all the way down for that. Um, so I have a... Actually, no, I won't do that yet. So, um, Lucas and Kurtz, who was one of his friends, shopped around the 12-page treatment for Star Wars to a lot of Hollywood studios. And a lot turned them down. But 20th Century Fox encouraged by his success with American Graffiti. Because American Graffiti was huge. Decided to give them some money to flesh out the script. Um, the rough outline of the final script would take years. In fact, early drafts of Star Wars would be unrecognised to even diehard fans. 
Luke Skywalker was a grizzed, grizzled old general. Han Solo was a frog-like alien. There's a main <laughs> character named Kane Starkiller, and the dark side of the Force is called, wait for it, the Bogan. What? <laughs> now, for Australians, <laughs> Bogan means something very different. <laughs> and I don't, how, do you, how, do you def, how do you define Bogan in Australia? You're a bit rough around the edges. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of like a redneck, but not as not as rough. Not not southern. Yeah, like it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like Australia's version of a redneck, but it's everyone. Yeah, like you can sort yeah. of yeah. Like a redneck, I suppose, is more defined as like they're, an they're more yeah. common. I yeah, guess. <laughs> Bogans is kind of anyone from lower or middle class in Australia yeah. that lives yeah. anywhere. It's like yeah, pretty much like middle and lower. Me. Like Me? thongs, <laughs> board shorts, and t-shirts to uni every day, mm. no matter what the weather is. Sometimes throw in a flannel, you know. Like <laughs> so everyone's yeah. a little bogan. So it's kind of great that they didn't keep the idea of um, calling it that. that calling would be it the bogan. Hilarious. Um. So in 1975, they had a draft in which Luke Skywalker is a farm boy and not an older general. Darth Vader is a menacing man in black. We're familiar with today. In the third draft, we're introduced to the idea of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Where did they get all those names from? Acid? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so on January 1st, 1976, they finished, finally finished what they were. Make it. So this movie's been in production oh, for so ages. They, they yeah. finished shooting. No, and they finish their final version of the script. Oh, that, okay. Right? And that's when they hit Tunisia two months later. Holy shit. In yeah, March. So um, they originally budgeted $18 million for this film. Fox offered them 7.5. And it eventually hit no. 9, <laughs> 9.5 million. Um, We're going to need more. The final budget was $11 million by the time it was finished production. By the end of its original... So I said before, by the end of the summer, it hit $100 million. By the end of its original release run worldwide, it had grossed $513 million, Which is absolute insanity. That's crazy. Considering it only opened in, what, 42 cinemas? Yeah, but by the originally. time it hit its original run, so worldwide original run, so by the time it had been released in Australia, Europe, yeah. else, it had hit $513 million. It was a phenomenon. How much is that now? Oh, like... I, I think I it's like, even, that's like well, acor- $2 billion now. Yeah. According to Wikipedia inflation, yep. it's the fourth highest grossing film ever, mm. and it's grossed over $3 billion. Yeah, yeah true. What's highest? Gone with the Wind. Yeah, it's oh. massive. That's almost $4 billion. Because it Avatar ran for like yeah. 10 years non-stop. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so in early drafts of the script and in early and in filming, the character of R2-D2, the small droid, spoke standard English and used a lot of foul language. <laughs> so... His English lines were cut and replaced with beeps and boops and, you know, all different noises. But C-3PO's shocked reactions stayed. <laughs> so it's, just, assu- better, so it's just assumed that when R2-D2 talks to C-3PO that he's swearing at him. That's great. Like, it's just an assumption because that's what the original version of the script was. And then that's why C-3- there's so many occasions where C-3PO's like, 
so sh- taken aback by what R2 says. It's okay, because he's swearing at him. <laughs> which I think... That would have changed the rating. Great. <laughs> would have changed who it could be marketed to. So, after the success of A New Hope, well, the Star Wars at the time, Lucas still couldn't find... Like, Fox still wasn't that into the production of a sequel. Well, hey, look, really? that's interesting because before Star Wars, their highest grossing film um, like made them, what, like $35 million. Yeah. And then when this came out, it was it got them like $75 million. So. So the issue was... Yeah, tell us. <laughs> in the 70s and before, sequels never did well. Still, though, like... For- but Considering it was a, they yeah. made thirty five like beforehand, like you'd assume yeah. it'd do better financially. But a at sequel least. was something that was like at this time, like there wasn't many movies compared to what there is now. Yeah. That had a sequel, let alone a successful sequel. Yeah. So Fox was really held back in their wanting to because they saw this as a one and done, the story's completed. Yeah. Why would you mm. want to go further? So George Lucas kept his, because Fox was still the distributor of these movies, and they own, they didn't own all the, but they owned the rights to distribute, but yeah. they didn't actually own the rights to Star Wars. George Lucas held that himself, which mm. comes will come to that later on of what is a whole complicated issue, but George Lucas self-funded Empire, used his own money to fund Empire Strikes Back. Fox was happy to release it, but Fox didn't want to put money into this film. So Lucas being the self, the, the independent filmmaker that he want, always wanted to be, and he has been with American Graffiti and um, Star Wars, he's created these movies. He's got funding, but he's had no studio input. Mm. So he cr- goes and creates Empire Strikes Back which is probably one of the most successful, if not the most successful direct sequel oh, 100%. ever. And I don't have the numbers for me for how much it made, but it was I'll look it up a lot. Um, so this phenomenon was taking off and we had this incident where there was Star Wars toys, but they weren't ready. And yeah. they had this... I can't remember who it was. There's this genius marketing idea to sell empty boxes. Do you want to know how much it made? Yes. Um, so the budget was $23 million. Yep. It made $538.4 million. Okay, so even more than the first. Yeah. So they sold empty boxes on the promise that you could use them to redeem your toy when it was ready. So thousands of kids across the world got empty Star Wars boxes for Christmas. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so the parents went out, they bought these empty boxes, and by the middle of the next year... They said, don't worry, you'll get them. All these kids had their Star Wars toys. That's awesome. And it was huge. These toys, like Star Wars merchandising alone, has made billions mm-hmm. and billions of dollars. I'm sure you'll get to the story about how Lucas owns all of it now. Yes. So, um, after Empire... Star Wars was the biggest thing in the world. It had taken over just every everything was Star Wars. 
and at this point, there were so many ripoffs hitting like hitting theaters. Like people wanted to cash in on this space, you know, opera, and just because they thought we're going to make money. The issue was with Star Wars. They now had to become secretive in what they were going to do with Return of the Jedi. Oh, so no one could knock it off. But so no one knew. So it wasn't like ruined for like, you know, it was mm. the first time they kind of became secretive with trying to avoid spoilers. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, they filmed in remote locations, but they didn't call, like in all the production stuff, it was never called Star Wars. It was called Blue Harvest. So Blue Harvest was this secret film that George Lucas was making out in the, you know, Redwood Forest of California. And no one really knew what it was until one day Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher all turned up on set together. And everyone went, holy shit. Like all the, the media, everyone went, holy shit, this is Star Wars 3. Like, and everyone's mind, everything focused on what this movie was going to be. Why are they out in the, you know, the forest? And by the time this movie came out, it, well, it was originally slated as in the, all the original marketing, the original posters, it was Revenge of the Jedi. And up until a couple of weeks before the movie came out, that's what it was called. And then George Lucas changed it back to his original idea of Return of the Jedi because he didn't think revenge fitted with what the Jedi meant. Yeah. It's like they wouldn't get revenge, you know, but they're returning. So then when number three, which is now number six, was released, it capped off this trilogy. And I don't know about you, but Revenge of the Sith, I, like, I watched, sorry, Return of the Jedi, I watched it yesterday. It is still genuinely my favourite Star Wars film. Like, it's my, if I want to watch a Star Wars film, I watch Return of the Jedi. Right, okay. Like, it is my favourite. Like, I love that movie. And yesterday, like, yeah. watching it, I was like, this is, this is great. Like, I watched A New Hope and... Um, what makes Jedi your favourite? I don't know. I just, I just love it. Like I feel, I feel like it's probably the be better paced one. Like yeah, I, think I, yeah. I watched them all before one of them came out, and um, yeah, that was like the first time I, because I, I always thought like Jedi was like the shit one, and like elements of it are, but I feel like they they've gotten better with like because the first one's pretty slow. Yeah, there's but also like, a lot cut out of the first one. Yeah. Like it's a much longer movie than oh, yeah. what we got yeah speaking of cutting things i really wanted to talk about what happened in 1997 what happened in 1997 <laughs> so in 1997 visual effects had come a very long way on tobacco <coughs> jurassic park and a couple of other things industrial jurassic park didn't come out till 93 so this is in 97 oh sorry yeah, yeah right so Industrial Light and Magic was now leading the way and was still leading the way and they'd come a long way in their technical capabilities. They had the most high-tech computers of the time and George Lucas went, okay, this is time. And it annoys me that he did this in 1997 because I would much rather him do this in like, you know. Now. Now, yeah. because it would have been even better. But George Lucas saw the point that, okay. But back visual then it was visual probably like, yeah. it doesn't get better than this. No, like visual effects has come such a long way that he can finally create the versions of the films 
that he wanted to create in the late 70s and early 80s. So he re-released the three films drastically different to what they originally were. So there's new new visual effects added in, new scenes, well, new vi- like new digital scenes are added in. Um, scenes have been, like, things have been replaced. So, like, what was once a practical effect has now been replaced with a digital, um, digital effect. And all this stuff was kind of added in. But this wouldn't be the last time that George Lucas tampered with these films it'd still happen again i think the return like the return of the jedi one is worse oh yeah really like so in and like it's weird because not many people have said like comparatively for star wars fans people our age have never seen the original cut that's the thing i like don't even like even remember seeing the java scene as a kid mm. like i only ever remember seeing him in jedi and yeah. then, like, when I was older, I went back and watched New yeah. Hope again. I was like, oh, why do you look so, like, yeah. weird? So, that scene was, I think that scene's added in for the second tinkering, okay. not the first. That's, yeah. So, I've got an article open it's here, which is what I wanted to bring it up. And I didn't yeah. want you guys to see it because this right, is why okay. uh, I brought it up to his. That's why I turned the screen away. That's so secretive. <laughs> so, um, with episode nine coming out or out this week mm. there's all this rumour flying around and this is what comes back to the rights of who owned what which I mentioned before yes so George Lucas or like Lucasfilm owned the rights to Star Wars but 20th Century Fox owned the distribution rights to the original three films and they always owned that Lucasfilm was sold to Disney 10 or so years ago now for billions of dollars so then Disney owned Star Wars and that was what led us to the sequel trilogy which is about to which wraps up this week but Disney still did not own the distribution rights for the original the original versions of the three films they owned the rights to the special editions that were released on DVD which is what we're just talking about in 97 and then the blu-ray special edition which was released 10 years later or mm-hmm. 13 years later or whatever it was which was the second tinkering so they owned those versions of the film but they never owned the original cuts so finally Disney bought 20th Century Fox and they finally own, now own I never even thought of this hey the original cuts of the film but there's an issue they're not going to release them and J.J. Abrams, who's the director of Episode 7 and Episode 9, is not happy about it. So in this article... Because I heard they were going to it like, when they first bought Fox. Yeah. I, I, oh, no, Star Wars. Yeah, because that was the original idea, like before Force Awakens came out. That would be cool. So... I'm surprised it's not on Disney+. Di- Plus. Well, Disney now owns them. And fans have all, lo- some fans have long been annoyed that George Lucas has tantled with these films so much. And we don't have a publicly available original version of these films. Mm. The issue is Disney might not either. The original versions of these films, no one knows if they actually still exist. Because they'd be film. So it's, yeah, there's, there's original film cartridges somewhere and there'd be multiple across the world. But no, it hasn't been publicly stated in this deal mm. if they still exist. So J.J. Abrams is obviously not pleased because 
he wants Disney to release them and thinks this is the perfect time to do it. Yes. So on the back of episode nine, this saga has is wrapping up. This nine episode massive storyline is wrapping. As if they wouldn't, considering and this how is the perfect people time. are. And he even said this is the perfect time to re-release the original three at the movies. Yeah. So bring these three movies and re-release them at you know at the cinema. Make it this massive event. I, I but Disney get, doesn't want to. And Disney won't say if they have them or not. I get in a way why they wouldn't, because to be fair, like the the retunes do make some things better. Yes. Like they put in the Star Wars native text, like over just English yeah. writing and like they get rid of Darth Vader's eyebrows after he takes <laughs> the helmet off. Yeah. There, there's other stuff in it that I'm forgetting, yeah. but like there's And like I've seen partial scenes and various scenes from the original yeah. cuts. The lightsabers aren't even coloured in... Well, the lightsabers were done. Like, you can't... Obviously, you can't do that as a digital effect. No. Yeah. And it's really hard to capture that in camera. Yeah. So, originally, they were pieces of reflective film, like you get like a reflective jacket stuck on the stick and the li- a light was shone at it to, like, create the glow. That's yeah. cool. But then when they put the film together, they actually cut out in the film where the lightsaber was and shined, like to expose it, shined a coloured light through the film, which is how we got the blue, mm. red and green lightsaber effects. It's a coloured light going through the film. Holy shit. So they ha- someone had to literally frame by frame, hand cut out the tiniest little slither on the film where the lightsaber is in each shot so as it's as it's moving each frame they have to cut that out Mm -hmm. and then it was like colored from behind which is just unreal so we'll never know if these original versions Mm. of these films will ever come out it's probably better to just like in a way to just kind of leave them because i feel like there's gonna be a lot of people that will watch them and be like oh they suck. Yeah. Well, imagine like, watching episode nine and then going and watching the original. Yeah. yeah. Original trilogy. I think for fans. I feel like, like mo- I feel like most people would have enough of an understanding to be like, oh, this is before. Like, yeah. Not everything's per. Like some yeah. things are, are a bit worse. But, but I feel like, like there'd be a lot of people that are what now in like their fifties that would flock to see these films. Hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Because it's the film they watched as a child. Hundred percent. And they've never been able to watch that since. Yeah. So, in 1999, and we'll move kind of away from the original trilogy here for a bit, and I'll come back to it, we got the release of the first movie in the prequel trilogy. So, the 97 re-release was kind of in preparation for, and it was kind of to build hype for Phantom Menace. Um, George, so these... Episode four, five, and six have all got different directors. There's George Lucas isn't the sole writer. And when we move to the prequel trilogy, he is writer-director for all three. And this was the vision he wants. He's, like, Lucasfilm's funding it, Industrial Light and Magic, his sound company, THX. It's all in-house. It's all his. Um, people flocked. 
to see Phantom Menace when it came out. Like it was this huge. Like I've seen footage of people like lined up at the door of a cinema and sprinting in to sit down to watch this movie. The advertisement it was so hyped. The lightsaber jewels that are in there, like it was just this. Star Wars is here. It's back, and it's got modern, well, modern for the late nineties digital effects. Like it looked like it still even now. Like it looks great. It's groundbreaking for the time. Like there's still dodgy shots in there, but a lot of this movie, and especially, I suppose, well, a lot of this movie is very the only, people walking yeah. in rooms talking. The, the only thing that looks really bad from my memory is just the backgrounds. Cause yeah. it's a green screen. Yeah. Like everything else, like I'm kind of like they moved away from the hand painted to digitally painted. Yeah, and it's all this whole sequel trilogy is just yeah. on green screen, on sound studios. Like barely any of it is yeah. out in location. And I suppose, like, another reason for that was, again, secrecy. Like, they didn't want this yeah. massive hype around it. But So the sequel trilogy consists of Phantom Menace, which was then labelled Episode 1, Attack of the Clones Episode 2, and Revenge of the Sith Episode 3. So it was a 1997 release that these movies got announced, like, that we, everyone knew they were coming, and the original trilogy was renamed as Episode 4, 5, and 6. And then George was like, okay, we're getting three before it. And that was then going to be his... It was the saga. It was the Skywalker saga was going to be concluded for now. <laughs> so these, I think... I don't know about you guys. What's your... Of the prequel trilogy, like, a lot of people hate them. I only dislike one of them. I... But I don't hate it. It's still I still like it, and I, I like it more than a future film yeah, that comes out. I th- I think Phantom Menace is the worst movie, but I'd rather watch that one than Phantom Menace. Wait, like, what? What did I say? <laughs> uh, sorry, Attack of Clone Attack of the Clones is the worst one, yep. but I like it more than Phantom, Phantom Menace. Man, yeah. yeah, I think, like personally, like these movies. I guess people have really um, just the. They've come like come back um, tail between their legs now that they don't yeah. like the sequel tri- trilogy. Yeah. Like people are saying, "Oh, Lucas should have directed Episode Nine. But look back like six years ago, maybe he yeah. was a laughing stock. People hated him. Yeah, like I don't know. People forget so quickly. But like, I, I guess in hindsight, I do, I, I I do like them for what they are now. Yeah, but yeah. So I guess. At this point, we can probably talk about the story of the saga mm. from one to six, and then yeah. we'll come to the sequel yeah. trilogy at the end of that. So, in Phantom Menace, we're introduced to a young boy. And also, the issue I have, before I go into that, the issue I have with these films and what Lucas has done is in the original trilogy, there is great plot points in episode in um empire and then in return of the jedi so in empire there's this massive reveal that darth vader is luke skywalker's father that it was a huge moment in cinemas i watched that with my mom years ago and she laughed (laughs) she like she thought it was a joke like because it's just so done to death now yeah so it's a huge huge plot moment and then in revenge uh, sorry in return of the jedi we find out i keep going to say revenge of the jedi because i've read that word yeah. so many times in the last like two days but um so in return of the jedi we then find out that leia 
is Luke's twin sister. And again, it's a huge, thing. huge moment in the story and the scale of everything and the relationships between our main characters. But then we get the prequel trilogy. And at the end of episode three, all of that is kind of just laid out. And it takes away those <laughs> like two huge revu- reveals. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, if you watch the first three first, the two massive reveals in Empire and um, Return of the Jedi, are, mm. they're not reveals at all. No. They're reveals for the characters, but it's not a huge plot turning point for the audience. Well, funny you say that. When I first watched these six movies, I watched them in order of episode, not, yeah. not yeah. as they were released. So I'd... And I mean, I had already, I already knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it wasn't like a massive. Yeah, thing. it takes you out of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember what order I watched them in. Like, I, I it's mm. just stuff I've always known. Mm. Yeah. Like I know, I think for me, I watched, I saw the original trilogy before, I saw, the sequels. Yeah. So when Phantom Menace came out, I was, three. Yeah. And I remember mum and dad went to see it at the movies. And what oh, what year did Attack of the Clones come out in? I can tell you Thank that. Thank you. Um, it came out in 2002. And then Revenge of the Sith was 2005. Yeah. So 2002, I'm now six. And I've watched... Like, I remember when Phantom Menace came out, like... I can remember mum and dad going to the movies. And I can remember being annoyed that I wasn't allowed, like as a three-year-old, being annoyed that I wasn't allowed to go. And Dad was like, no, no, like, I'll watch the old ones with you. I remember probably like, I was probably like around four, maybe five. Like I hadn't, I hadn't started school yet. And I watched the original three and it was the 1997, like really special edition DVD that Dad owned. And we watched them one, like, you know, it was like dad had some time off work. And I remember watch, sitting there as a kid watching them with him. And then I remember him bringing home Phantom Menace on DVD one day from work and watching it that night. So I remember watching all like in that order and then going to the movies as a six-year-old to see Attack of the Clones. So my whole experience, like I remember what, like watched them in that order and I remember watching them for the first time sitting on the lounge with dad. And then That's I remember so him taking me to the movies for two and three. And like I remember three, I was so like, what I was now what nine years old mm. when episode three comes out, and being like the most excited kid in the world that there's. Did you dress up? No, ah. but I remember I had like Mum worked at the library, and I had this book, and it was you know, like the DK books, mm. and it was the DK Star Wars episode three book. I hadn't even seen the movie yet, oh, but no. I had read this book cover to cover like a thousand times, but like I knew. Having watched the original trilogy, there was no spoilers, and I knew, like, I remember going into it, and like, I'm like, oh, well, how does Anakin become Darth Vader? Because in this movie, this has to happen. Like, how's it going to happen? What's going to be the transition that he goes from man to machine? And, like, that was the main hype around this movie is how is this going to happen? Because, you know, going into the movie, what Anakin looks like, and at the end of the movie, what Anakin has to look like. But the whole hype around episode three was, like, How's how's Darth Vader going to come? How's Anakin going to go to the dark side? Was the whole thing. And I remember the book. And the book doesn't say. Oh, like, really? I still remember. It shows you pictures of 
it showed like it shows Anakin and Obi Wan having a lightsaber fight. It doesn't say why, and it doesn't show the ending of it. That's probably a good thing, right? To be fair, it's a DK kids book. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, but I remember like looking at, it, I'm like, oh my god, they fight! Like, why are they going to fight? Like, what's going to happen? And like, it was this huge thing, and then it happened, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I remember like, I watch it now, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is actually like Revenge of the Sith is probably the best of these three films. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it has the best lightsaber fights. Yeah. But reading in my research yesterday, there, there's a lightsaber fight cutting cut out of this movie. Why? In what was labelled the greatest and most complicated lightsaber fight of the entire saga's see, history. I did see that, yeah. I haven't watched the video, but... So, when Obi-Wan goes to Utapar? I don't yeah. know how to say Yeah. Best, best of our? I think it starts with you. Remember from Star Wars Battlefront, I just remember that's yeah. what it's called. But th- so he goes to this planet and General Grievous has got there. He's hiding there. Oh, with sorry. I'm thinking of... Yeah, g- no. go on. And um, he goes to this planet, General Grievous, the, ge- the droid general is hiding there with his with part of the droid army and Obi-Wan kind of crashes their little meeting sorry can I just point out casting in these movies is pretty phenomenal oh yeah, yeah. like you've got Natalie Portman um, Samuel L. Jackson Ewan McGregor um, Liam Neeson do you know how they got Samuel L. Jackson no how George Lucas just asked him he's like hey like you know I really like all your work do you want to be in this film and like he was like and like do you want to be in Star Wars and he was like um, Samuel Jackson went only if I can have a purple lightsaber yes and George Lucas was just like okay <laughs> sure uh, and apparently it has bad motherfucker engraved yeah, on it yeah it does yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah so it was just like he was just like it was, like, it was his one condition and yeah. George Lucas was just like okay no, I, that's I, not hard I, I heard his explanation for it he was like oh yeah I want to be able to be seen in yeah. the big fights. Yeah. Like, yeah, fair enough. He must be yeah. identifiable and not just... Yeah. Although his character is, his character plays a massive role mm. when it comes to... Yeah. Um, and he can go into the dark side. Yeah. So, I suppose, yeah, I'll go back to the story. I've <laughs> sorry. sidetracked for like five minutes there. Um, so, in, episode, in Phantom Menace, we're introduced to a, um, two Jedi, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Master and Apprentice. And they've been sent to resolve a trade dispute in a blockade from the trade union on. Also, totally paint unions in a terrible light <laughs> in this film. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but anyway, I suppose it's the Republic government against the union. Familiar? Um, <laughs> sorry. Let's not get political. <laughs> well, we're about to get very political for the first three movies. Um, so they've been sent... To, so the planet of Naboo has been kind of blockaded and it's this whole massive galactic incident and they've been sent to revo- resolve it. They end up on the planet. They meet a Gungan, Jar Jar Binks. That's all I'm going to say about Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, don't Worst. need anything. Yep. That character could have been so much better and got changed at the last <coughs> minute and just ruined it. He was originally much more like Chewbacca, much more talked normally, had a massive weapon, you know, and they're like, no, it'd be too much. Like, everyone would be like, it's just like Chewie again. They're trying to rip off Chewbacca. And then they made that. I don't know. Anyway. So we get introduced to um, the Queen, Padme Amidala, who for most of it's actually the decoy. And she's dressed as a servant for much most of the start of that film. Mm. And it's actually Kira Knightley who plays the decoy queen. 
Oh, true. Fun fact. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Hey, yeah, didn't I, t- <laughs> no, I totally forgot. Hey, yeah, that? no, like that a just very my young, completely. a very young Kira Knightley. So young. I think she's like twenty or twenty-one or something at this point. That's yeah. crazy. Hey. Um. So then, we end up on the desert planet of Tatooine, where we are introduced to a young boy, Anakin Skywalker, who's taken back to Coruscant, the capital of the Republic. The whole planet's a city, and they are convinced that well. By convincing the Jedi Council, gets convinced to allow him to be an apprentice, even though he's too old. And they just, you know, shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't. If they listened to Mace Windu and Master Yoda, then it would have been fine. And all the issues of the next, you know, what? How long does this, the, like this, the six movies, like, what time frame is that? Uh, so, um. Episode one to episode two is twelve years. Oh yeah, because or something like that. Yeah, it's like ten to twelve years or something like that. Episode two to episode three is four, three or four years. So that's like the Clone Wars in between. Mm -hmm. So it goes for a couple of years. Episode three to episode four is nineteen years. So when we meet Luke Skywalker in episode four, his him and Leia are nineteen years old. Oh yeah. Um, four to five. Is I think only two, yeah, two or three like years, that. and then five to six is a couple of months. Like it's almost directly after. Yeah, because because the whole the frozen in carbon. Yeah. yeah, it's almost directly after. Okay. Mm. So overall, the thing is probably I don't know about like forty years. Forty years max, mm. from which is a massive. massive a lot of things happen in that foot, and then from six to seven is thirty years. Okay. So it's almost the same time period again. Yeah. Just added on after. So, um, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, excuse you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so then there's a massive lightsaber fight. Kaikon Jim gets killed. Obi Wan then kind of takes mm-hmm. on the role of master for Anakin. Like, he's about to do his trials, and then he'll become a Jedi Knight, so then he can take on an apprentice. We then skip forward, you know, a decade. To attack of the clones, Anakin's now. Also, can I just say it's kind of weird that they get together. Like, how old is she in the first movie? Nineteen. And he's what? Like Thirteen. What? Six years. Okay, I thought it was a bigger gap. Than and then, that. like, when they get together, he's twenty-three and she's not even thirty yet. So yeah, okay, it's not that's okay. that bad. That's okay. It's weird that they. Like... It's weird that they flirt in Phantom Menace. Yeah. But by the time they get together and attack of the clones, like they're both adults, and it's like who cares? Like, yeah. it's not a huge. Age difference when it happens in Attack of the Clones, but in the first one, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, literally, (laughs) about to hit puberty, and she's like, "Done." (laughs) 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 Jesus, sorry. Uh, So then, yeah, Attack of the Clones is kind of the main turning point. So Phantom Menace kind of doesn't really like it introduces us to these characters. It kind of gives us a bit of backstory, but and introduces us to the droid army, which is kind of the catalyst that leads, which is the catalyst of the Clone Wars and the whole trade union secretly being run by the Sith against the Galactic Republic, which the Jedi are a part of. It's, which, uh, like, the Jedi is a really weird, like, organized, like, they've been around for thousands of years and there's temples, there's temples all over the galaxy that have been around for, you know, thousands of years. 
and they kind of just like in 20 years but they kind of just like the peacekeepers of like this galactic republic like it's i find it like a weird like yeah this government kind of just has these warrior monks as their main form of like peacekeeping mm-hmm. and it's like they don't even like the like the galactic republic doesn't really have an army until attack of the clones and I was, yeah, like, how does this massive republic kind of relying on 200-odd people to, you know, and then how useless they become when the war breaks out? Like, how have you been doing this for so long with no backup? And then when the war happens, you just become, I don't know. Massive. No, but it's not massive. You kind of like just become, like, kind of not as impressive as what it's made out to be. Yeah. Well, I guess life is a disappointment, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Attack of the Clones, we find out that, and this is where it gets really complicated because all these names start getting thrown around. And we have like Master Cypher Dias, who's the character that orders the creation of the clone army. But you never really find out who he actually is. So in the Star Wars page, like he's listed as a person. He was a Jedi master. But he was friends with Dooku and friends with Qui-Gon Jim, Because Qui-Gon Jim and Dooku have a long history. Because Dooku was... We were also introduced to Count Dooku, who's kind of like the Sith Lord. But he was a Jedi for so long. And in the animated series Attack of the Clones, there's flashbacks to when he was part of the Jedi Order. And he turns evil. So many people turn evil in this. It's not hard. <laughs> As if you wouldn't. Yeah, true. Jedi looks boring when you're on the dark side. You can do what you want, man. (laughs) There's no rules. I'd totally go evil. Like I I reckon, if I was tempted, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, why not? This looks fun." Mm. But um, yeah. So this clone army is ordered, and Master Cyphodius was kind of what a name, Master Master So he was directed by someone to create this clone army and the Republic didn't know <laughs> oh sorry the Jedi Order didn't know that this army was being created for them and it puts into motion that there's something bigger happening with the Republic what so there's the there's, you know the droid army is kind of putting pre- like there's, there's the trade unions are putting pressure on and there's this catalyst event that on the planet Geonosis, which is where one of the droid factories is. And um, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme get captured, and they're about to be sentenced to death, and obviously the Jedi find out. And Obi-Wan's recently found out about this army, and he's kind of like, what the hell is happening? Why do we have an army already ready for a conflict that's just started? Like, who, who knew this was coming? So the Jedi kind of show up, and a lot, especially the entire Jedi, it's like 200 of them. And by the end of it, there's not that many. Like a lot of them just get killed, and it, that's, that was my point. Like, you've been doing this for so long, how are you just now getting gunned down? Like, it's nothing. And some of you are like really good, and some of you are just like, oh, it's a background Jedi, he's dead. <laughs> he, you know, you got like Mace Windu and Anakin and Obi Wan just blocking like blaster shots, like there's nothing. And then one dude's just like, oh, I've been shot. Like, what are you doing, man? Anyway. So, it actually... Why'd you even come today? Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? On. Just stay home, mate. You're useless. You literally, in. like, 
appear and just get shot straight away. Like, what was the point? You just come to die. No, you idiot. There are characters like that who are like, not that dude necessarily, but like in Revenge of the Sith, one of the dudes that like Palpatine kills yeah. immediately. Yeah. He's like one of the best Jedi ever in like yeah. in the, the Clone or, Wars. Yeah, or like, like, what are you doing? Clone yeah. Wars. Like, it's they're very yeah. liberal with characters like yeah. that. So, it, so anyone who just has the most unkind, like, shittest death, just imagine he's awesome in some my, context. My favourite deaths are the ones that just, like, happen. Like, nothing mm. happens and they just die in a, in a battle. So You're there's, like, who hit you? Yeah. Where did you get <laughs> shot? There's a deeper story happening through the prequel trilogy. So I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to as much as the whole Anakin thing. Yeah. So the actor that plays the Emperor in the original trilogy returns in Phantom Menace, but the Emperor's not in, well, only in hologram form in Phantom Menace. Mm. But the actor gets a lot of screen time because he's the senator for Naboo. Yeah. And at the time, obviously there's a cast list. So when Phantom Menace comes out, everyone's like, oh, the Emperor's in this. And then, yeah, the first time you see the Emperor, it's the hologram. And obviously, he's not the Emperor at this point. Mm. He's just Darth Sidious. And, like, because, you know, there's still the Republic. The Empire hasn't risen yet. And everyone's like, oh, you know, there he is. And then all of a sudden, the actor is on screen with the good guys. And then it raises the question, how does this senator from Naboo become the Emperor of the galaxy and the empire like how does he become how, and how does no one know he's a sith lord but also the long game he's playing in his attempt to gain power well he's he's knowing way to gain power so easily so he's the one that got the clone army ordered he's the one leading the droid so he creates he is the leader of both sides of this conflict by the end of it. Like he is in charge of the clone army because he rises to um, Supreme Chancellor, which doesn't even exist at the start of the Clone Wars, but with a galactic vote, he demands emergency powers, which means the Senate pretty much doesn't control the war effort anymore. He is sole leader. So then he becomes... What a power move. Yeah, so he does all this. So he orchestrates this... He's like this war to grab power, to move from Senator to Chancellor to Supreme Chancellor. He does this himself by leading both sides of this war. And we found all this out in Revenge of the Sith. Like, he's, you know, kind of in charge of both sides. Both sides. And then gains control. So he can easily, because he's in charge, easily transforms the Galactic Republic into the Empire. And the, Sen- the Galactic, like, the Republic Senate becomes the Imperial Senate, who Leia is a member of in Episode 4. So this transition of power, he puts this whole thing into play and he's not that old. So there's this whole thing, like the Sith kind of unknowing to the Jedi, rise to power through a senator from Naboo. And I think that's, I think that is one of the best story, like elements of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, that's kind of why I feel bad for George because like he, mm. he, tried, he tried to make an adult 
story. Yeah, but this, it, like the story elements to these three movies and the way it all intertwines is so complicated mm. and so well done. It's just let down by stupid aspects of these films. Yeah. And how, like pacing and the amount of political discussion that happens, the amount of just people walking through massive corridors talking. Not like the original films where it's kind of like the mood, like it's paced a lot better, they're shorter, like it's a, you know. Mm. So, Revenge of the Sith, we find out, you know, Anakin gets really close to the um, Chancellor and then he finds out he's a Sith Lord and goes and tells the Jedi, like, well, Mace Windu and a couple of other Jedi. So, Mace Windu, along with three other Jedi, I don't want to take three, take everyone. Like, when they arrive to arrest the Chancellor for being the Sith Lord, there's four Jedi. I would have rocked up with 40. Like, honestly, like, just numbers. Like, like why four? Like, this is the, like, he is a lord of the Sith. Like, he is the all-powerful, like, Sith lord at this point. You've been, you haven't even been able to detect that it's him. Like, that's how good he is at masking himself from your, like, four senses. You haven't even realised that it's him for over a decade and then it's like, oh, we'll just take four people to go and arrest him. Two of which are killed instantly. Poor one guys. fish man. One not that long later. And then it's just Mace Window and him kind of going. And Mace Window essentially like Mace Window defeats him, but is allowed to defeat him for a purpose. Hmm. So Mace Window is genuinely about to kill him when Anakin comes storming in. And Anakin's this conflicted. He's so conflicted at this point and, you know, makes me just trying to say, you know, we can't let him live. It's too, it's too dangerous to be left alive and, like, he has to be killed. And then Sidious is, like, you know, pretending to be this fright because he's, you know, he's pumped a load of electricity into Mace Windu's lightsaber. And it's kind of deformed his face because of how much was, like, flowing through him and it deforms his face. And, you know, he's kind of begging Anakin for help and... Windu raises his lightsaber Classic to evil move. kill Palpatine, slash, you know, Sidious, and Anakin cuts off Windu's arm in this moment. And it's like, okay, that, this is the catalyst for Darth Vader. Like, this is the moment that Anakin makes his choice. And with that, you know, Windu's arm and lightsaber fly out the window and then Sidious kind of, oh, look, I'm fine, and just electrocutes the shit out of him and just sends him flying. And that's, you know, the last we ever see him. He just gets flown out the window covered in electricity. And there's all theories, like, he's still alive. And, like, no one's surviving that. It's just so so far up. And he just gets thrown out a window. Like, he is electrocuted a lot and missing an arm. He's not surviving that fall. Like, that's it. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. Imagine if he just rocked up, yeah. Or not even the force ghost. No, just just rocked up up as a live. Yeah, one arm. He's got, like, a lightsaber arm. He's like, (laughs) sup. And it's like, What? I'd actually, like, honestly... This old man Samuel L. Jackson wanders well, in in episode nine. We're not in yes. a great spot with Star Wars at the moment, so I'd be fine with that. Like, yeah. if they, Like, if they had to, go for it. Yeah, so he then gets christened... Anakin gets christened as Darth Vader after this event, and then we get the fall of the Republic. Order 66. So execute Order 66 is given, and the clone army turns against their Jedi leaders and mm. guns them down. And that or, that's really well explored in the Clone Wars animated TV series. Yeah. 
because one of the clones goes rogue early and he tries to kill Jedi and they can't figure out why and they find a chip, like a membrane chip in his brain. Like it's an organic chip mm. and they have no idea what it is or where it's come from. Mm. And it kind of gets pushed aside because the Emperor, like, well, Palpatine's power kind of just pushes yeah. it away. But that is, that's, you know, in Kamina, that chip was implanted in all the clones mm. as they're grown and that is the Execute Order 66. Like it's there. They do it really well in um, Jedi Fallen Order as well. Yeah. And it's so a really... Was, like, you do it as, like, a Padawan's perspective. And yeah. And it's really sick. Yeah. So, like, that, you know, it's a really good... Oh, I'm saying good, not good for the Jedi. So, all these Jedi get killed, and then we have the face-off between Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar, which is a volcano planet, which is where Darth Vader ends up building his castle, which we see in um, Rogue One, which is a yeah. standalone film that we'll come to so they have this massive lightsaber fight it's a huge lightsaber fight it takes up like that it's a solid piece of the finale of this movie like it is the finale and I, I didn't even mention why Anakin gets turned to the dark side in the first place oh yeah he wants because Padme falls pregnant and then he keeps having visions of her going to die so he wants to save her and Palpatine promises that he can show Anakin the ways of the dark side to save her life so he kind of gets corrupted by love and desperation. And it's like, oh, well. So, so bad. They have this massive fight across, you know, they, they cross a large terrain of this lava planet in all different parts. And they end up, Obi-Wan standing on the bank and Anakin standing on this kind of hover platform above the lava. And Anakin's all angry and cryy and like, you know, ready to kill Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's like, dude, like, just stop. Like, please. like Obi-Wan doesn't want to be fighting. You can see Obi-Wan doesn't want to fight him. But it has to, because obviously if he doesn't, he's just going to get killed. So Obi-Wan's at a point of like self-preservation and trying not to hurt Anakin. And Anakin's just hell-bent on killing Obi-Wan because he's convinced that he's betrayed him. So we get the famous, like, you know, don't try it, Anakin. I have the high ground. And Anakin's like, you underestimate my power. And Anakin does like this, tries to do this flip over him. And Obi-Wan just cuts his arm and, arm and legs off. And I feel really sorry for Anakin. Because he already has one robot hand. Obi-Wan cuts off the good arm. Not the robot hand, the good human arm. So then he has two robot hands and two robot legs when he becomes Darth Vader. He doesn't even have a human arm anymore. And I thought, that's kind of he rough, man. All, that's why he can't do lightning. Yeah. Because he has, has two robot hands. Because he out of, yeah. Yeah, because it just fry his robot hands. Really? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the reason he can't, he can't oh use force lightning. Because he doesn't actually have, like, Actual organic to fingers <laughs> to, like, shoot it he out of. He shoot it out of his head, maybe. Uh, is that like still uh, a human appendage? Yeah, he still has a head. Well, it's yeah. just a head, two stump arms and two stump legs and a torso. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, so then Anakin kind of rolls down the hill and gets set on fire by the lava. Glorious lava. And gets severely burnt and he's severely injured and then everyone kind of leaves and Padme's... Well, Padme gets force choked and then collapses. They get taken to I can't remember what the moon's called, which is like a like it's a secret medical mm. base. So they go there, and um, Padme gives birth to Luke and Leia. Anakin gets picked up by the Emperor, and taken gets turned. You know the robotic suit of Darth Vader kind of is created to keep him alive because he's so badly burnt and injured that you know it's his now. It's a life support machine. Mm. 
Yeah, so um, Luke and Leia are born. Obi-Wan takes Luke to Tatooine to live with his aunt and uncle because they think, well, Anakin will never look for them there because it's too obvious and he hates sand. Like, he doesn't want to go home. He hates sand. <laughs> he hates sand. But, like, they kind of hide Luke in plain sight mm. because Anakin would never go there to look for him. And he just assumes Padme's dead. So he assumes the babies are dead. And Leia gets taken by Bail Organa and taken back to Alderaan. And he raises Leia as his own daughter. Mm. You know, whereas Luke knows that his parents are dead. Doesn't know who they are. And he kind of gets raised on the, like, from his own uncle that his dad was just like a pilot and, you know, a good for nothing. And, you know, it's lucky that he's not here and all this stuff. And that kind of wraps up the whole prequel trilogy. And then we get our massive story of the original trilogy kind of already somewhat been through. And then, so at the end of Return of the Jedi, the Empire's defeated, the second Death Star's blown up, the Emperor's supposedly killed, Darth Vader's dead. After Redemption, re- and redemption death, himself. Yeah, he saves, his, he saves Luke's life by throwing the Emperor down a void in the Death Star. And in the process, the electrocution that was happening on Luke happens to him and it fries his suit. So his life support kind of gets turned off and he starts to die. And it's a really nice ending. Like Luke and, well, Anakin again now, have a moment together and it's a really nice like kind of conclusion to their mm. story. I feel like Luke was all, like the whole time was convinced that there must still be good in his father. And like he's he's like never going to turn to the dark side, but yeah, he has a respect. Like when when they're on Endor, he goes he just goes to Darth Vader, knowing that he's not going to get hurt. It just doesn't feel like I don't really feel anything from all that though, because yeah. like we never see like other than like the Clone Wars, I guess. But I haven't seen heaps of it. You don't see Anakin Skywalker, or you don't see the good in him done. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, whereas in the Clone like, Wars, you see what? Yeah, when I'm yeah. Wa- when I'm watching Jedi, I'm not being like, oh my god, that's the guy yeah. from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, when when you when you watch five seasons of Clone Wars, you these characters, yeah. like the prequel tra- characters, are really well expanded upon. Yeah, and you get all these different stories and all these different moments, and it's like you know you get to feel for these characters, and yeah. there's all these different things that happen, and you know there's a great line, and um, Anakin does something. And he has a, this was during the Clone Wars, he has a Padawan who's then banished and there's a whole other story behind yeah. that that we won't get into. But um, she's, she asks Obi-Wan, what's your definition of, sorry, what's your definition of the height of stupidity? And Obi-Wan says to Anakin, how tall are you? And it's like, it's a really funny like little thing. Like, it's like, you know, how tall are you? And Anakin's like, oh, like, because he just did something. Like, yeah. I can't remember what it was. He did something real dumb. And it's like, this is just like a real like funny little like mm. moments like that. You get a real feel of the, the con- like you kind of only see them together for two films and there's not, like you see that they're friends and you know, yeah, but through I, the Clone Wars, you get a real sense of the... They do a lot of tell, not show. With yeah. The yeah, with, between, but in the Clone Wars TV series, you get a really good relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin yeah. and it builds their friendship really well. So when you get to Revenge of the Sith, that battle means so much more yeah. for the two of them. And it becomes, you know, it becomes this whole thing. And then when you get to Return of the Jedi in this moment with Luke, like you feel for Anakin mm. and then Luke in this moment. So it adds a lot more like emotional weight to it. 
But also Yoda knew the whole thing was coming and didn't say anything. So, <laughs> like, in there's a whole thing in the Clone Wars, in, the, like, the last season that's come out and it's now about to come back, but in the last season, Yoda has all these visions and goes on this full Force quest, meets the Force spirits, goes through this whole thing wow, and spoilers. sees all these visions of... What happens at the yeah. end of Return at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and just doesn't do anything about it, and it's like, dude, you see what Anakin does? Like he sees the younglings being killed, he sees all of it, and doesn't act. Why? And it's like, what are you doing? And it, yeah, it's it's weird. And then yeah, obviously we get our sequel trilogy, which we're about to wrap up now. So then, when Disney bought Star Wars, they. <coughs> decided okay there's money in this we're going to make more so they bring on jj abrams and we get the force awakens we get introduced to new characters it's essentially a rough retelling sort of thing of um sorry a new hope mm. and it kind of just like follows that thing there's a massive base and yeah i think i like the this sequel series at the moment is a bit like how you going mm. but I really loved Force Awakens at the time I saw it like five times so I rewatched it last like, week yeah and I really enjoyed it because I rewatched Last Jedi a couple of weeks ago yeah and I was like this is just a boring stupid movie yeah well we'll get into that but I don't know like like Han Solo was always my favourite so yeah. I was in immediately yeah and then yeah this. so Force Awakens is a good nostalgia hit but it's also really yeah. good at setting things up. And J.J. Abrams did a really good job of establishing the first movie in a new trilogy. Yeah. And then obviously he was attached to other projects. They got Ryan Johnson to come in for The Last Jedi. So written and directed by Ryan Johnson. And it's a fucking shit show. <laughs> to put it mildly. I, I think he throws out... Because J.J. Abrams has always been good at setting up Easter eggs and mystery boxes... And then over the course of the following films or TV or whatever he's doing, slowly unpacking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been really like if we had a JJ Abrams trilogy, or at least he was involved more yeah. in the last year, I think it would have been much better. But Ryan Johnson, all the mystery boxes and all the ideas that JJ Abrams sets up in Force Awakens, Ryan Johnson just throws it all in the bin. And just see Ryan Johnson's thing supposedly is subverting expectations yeah. of certain what whatever genre he's doing, but you can't do that with in the Wars. second, not, not in the second no. movie yeah. in a trilogy that was supposedly planned. I, like apparently JJ had plans for it, but yeah, no but one he else had to did. go to a different project, and then they brought him back for the third one. So then obviously his <laughs> ideas for where it's going had to slightly change. I don't know. I, I like some of the stuff in The Last Jedi, but yeah, like... there's all, good things in it, and it could have been a great movie. Yeah. But there's things that just ruin it. What, what do you think of Luke like, and how they portray him in this? So that's the thing. So, Ryan Johnson brought modern-day real-world politics into Star Wars. Yeah. And he brought quips and jokes, like... That, like, that was already in Force Awakens, so I was kind of... Forgiving yeah, of that, but, but yeah, they br- it do- he it brings it work. in more, yeah. And it's like there's the whole phone call joke at the start, yeah. And it just doesn't make sense in Star Wars, no. Like, there's never been anything like that in this universe, and then all of a sudden it's here. But the character motivations don't make sense. So, this whole movie and it breaks Star Wars sort of 
law mm. in a way. So this whole movie, like, it kind of kicks off where it, lit- it literally kicks off where Force Awakens finishes mm. with the whole they found out the location of the rebel base and they're evacuating and then they kind of rock up and they get all the ships off the rebel base and they're flying away and they jump into hyperspace and get to the rendezvous point and then the First Order who's our kind of Empire replacement catches up to them straight away and they're like what the hell and they kind of get figured out they're getting tracked through hyperspace which has never been done before and it's a thing that's never been in the Star Wars universe and it kind of gets introduced in this film for a plot device Mm. so their ships are smaller and faster which yes makes sense in Star Wars lore because like the Millennium Falcon is one of the fastest ships in the entire um, galaxy but like you know ships have different speeds so the Star Destroyers aren't as fast as the small rebel cruisers so they can stay just out of range that the blaster fire isn't in, isn't effective. Yeah. Doesn't make sense in Star Wars lore. But everything that's never been a thing before, like a blaster fire is just blast. Like those things just keep going through space till they hit something. They don't lose, like that energy in that blaster shot is still there. Yeah. It just yeah. keeps going until it hits something. And it's always been like, so the, why is this now not effective against the shields? But it introduces an element we've never seen before, which is the level of fuel in these ships. And all of a sudden, these cruisers don't have enough fuel to get away. or get ju- They've only got enough for one more hyperspace jump, which to me doesn't make sense for their plan. So they jump into hyperspace to a rendezvous point, and then they've got one jump left. So then that rendezvous, they have to make a plan of where they're going to go to get fuel and be safe. And different characters have different ideas. So um, two of um, well, one of our main characters and a new main character go off to try and find a way to try and find a code breaker so they can break into the first order lead ship and turn off the tracker so the rebel ships can jump away. Yeah. And the new rebel commander, because Leia's been injured and is kind of like unconscious, the new rebel commander doesn't like that idea. And kind of like, no, you're not doing that. We're just going to keep going because they're close to this former rebel base planet, but not close. So this former rebel base planet is near the rendezvous point, but it's hours just flying at sublight speed. Like, why was the rendezvous point not just at this planet or whatever? Like, it's this weird story element they kind of land on the outskirts of this solar system and then fly towards this planet and no one's told that this planet's here and then all of a sudden she starts packing the landing ships and taking all the fuel out of the cruiser and putting into landing ships for the people to go down to the planet Mm. which doesn't make sense because we've just seen the ship that's following you even though so that ship got destroyed but we've seen like the main cruiser of the imperial like the first order fleet is behind you like they can just obliterate essentially obliterate the surface of this planet if they wanted to so it doesn't make sense why are you evacuating to the ground to make your final stand in a, in a way that like all these ships are going to get destroyed and then we find out that you know it was a plan to turn the sh- rebel cruiser around and jump to high like to light speed through the imperial ships now this is where my I- main issue with this film yeah it's a very pretty shot it's a beautiful shot and, and the use of silence is great yeah but it doesn't make sense in star wars so she jumps to light speed and pierces through all the Imperial ships, breaking them apart and, 
you know, causing massive damage and destroying a lot of them. But in Star Wars, we've seen people go to hyperspace in front of someone before mm. and just mm. disappear. So it doesn't make sense. Why yeah. now does that cause damage? Like, was, does that cause damage to something? I, I don't know. And any argument I've heard for it is like, oh, sh- shut up. It's about space. But like... You have established set of rules. Yeah. That doesn't work here. You had an established set of rules for seven movies beforehand, plus a spin-off, so eight movies, and then you do that. And this movie kind of just... It feels like a Star Wars fan film with a... Stu- like, with... Yeah, it just doesn't... Don't me wrong, I like the film. It... Yeah. It, but... It, 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 it works perfectly fine as a standalone, but... It's not a Star Wars film, and it kind of... No. All the use of things, and that introduces weird new force elements, like Luke projects himself across the galaxy. See, I was fine, I was fine with that, because like they, they would just introduce stuff in like Empire and that all the time. Yeah, but it, it kind of doesn't make sense that like this movie introduces these things, like, oh, two people with a force have been connected by an all-powerful force being, and then... Luke project it adds all these new elements to the force that we've never seen before that if existed would have solved a lot of issues yeah. in the seven movies that came before. Yeah, that's true. Like, why couldn't Master Yoda just like who's arguably one of the most powerful force users ever, just reach out and start talking to his Jedi all across the galaxy? Like, why can't he be like, Oi? And start having a conversation like what Snoke <laughs> sets up with. Or your mate. But like, he, like <laughs> why can't he do what Snoke did to connect Ray and Kylo? Yeah. Mm. Like it doesn't, there's all these things that just don't make, and it, it, by doing that, it raises questions to the seven movies before. Why wasn't mm. this done before? Yeah. Like why did someone not just fly a rebel cruiser at the Death Star? You know? Yeah. Like why was that not you? Because that would have worked. Just punched a hole straight through it. Like there's all these weird things. It's like, why do you have to do this? And if also, if you apply that, like ships would be smashing the things planets all the t- yeah. and that all yeah. the time. Like, yeah, it's a weird, and it kind of th- yeah throws all these things out. And yeah, I I, I get what yeah. you mean. Like, yeah, I'm just like trying to think of things I like about it, but <laughs> yeah. And then obviously we're about to get episode nine, so hopefully I'm. Really I, hopeful for this movie. See, I wasn't really excited for this at all until that last trailer came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, but... I'm really hopeful because I think this is just a varied version because of what happened in the last film yeah. to what JJ was originally going to end with. Did you like um, Luke at all in the last one? Like, his kind of... No, it felt really weird. It didn't feel like... Because like... it, it feels very... Um... And Mark Hamill wasn't happy with it either. No, it doesn't he sound hated, like it. Mark Hamill hated... <laughs> The direction that Luke Skywalker yeah. was taken in, it, it's it's he, he seems very similar to like Logan and like characters mm. like that because that's the popular thing right now. Mm. Like bring mm. back a, an old character See, and they're just, you know not yeah, like they used to be. But I, supposedly JJ had plans because obviously JJ is the one that introduced the idea that yeah Luke was off it, it, missing it, like, yeah and the whole map to Luke Skywalker. But he had plans to bring Luke back. I'm okay with it, but it makes him because it like it makes him more human. Mm. But 
I don't know. It just didn't work after yeah. everything that was set up. And that's that's the yeah. only because, yeah, was, thing that makes he, this upsetting. Yeah, he exiles himself because of what happened Yeah, at the New Jedi Temple with Kylo Ren killing everyone and taking some of off to be his followers and joining the dark side. And yeah. Luke's like, holy fuck, what have I done? And then exiles himself and cuts himself off from the Force and kind of just lives in solitude and kind of regret and... But JJ had plans to bring him back. In Force Awakens? In No, in, oh, in his yeah, version his... of Episode Eight, And have him come back as... That that would have been good, but, yeah, I don't know. You know? I, I guess, in comparison to everything else that was yeah. changed for, like, for shock value... Yeah. I, I guess um, Luke's kind of change mm. was the one I kind of accepted, but... Yeah. But also, I hated his death. Like, yeah, it's so stupid. Because like, I, I feel like they didn't explain, like it's like the Black Widow death. Like they didn't explain yeah. enough that like, oh no, this will kill you. Yeah. And then like he's just looking at the twin sons and that's it. I'm like, where'd he go? What? Yeah. What? So, um, yeah, like it, it, it's fine. And then, like, and then the fact that like he's obviously in the next one as a Force Ghost. Yeah. Like, just have him as a like. It would have been so easy just to leave him. Oh, also alive. Yoda looks weird and. Yeah, Yoda looks so weird. Like it looks like they tried to make him look like a puppet too much. Yeah, it was a real weird. Like they just want to be like, look, it's original. Yeah, you wanted this. Yeah. Oh well. So I guess. (coughs) Also, Ray is someone, right? Yeah. Like has to be after like Han Solo looks at her like when she says something, he knows who she is. Like, and I refuse. Like I'll take everything else, but I refuse to believe that she's just some rando. This movie is and there's going to be a letdown either way now. Yeah. It's been this too movie long. is called Rise of Skywalker. There's one Skywalker in the, like, and, in and, the thing, and the and actor is dead. No, I was gonna say, no, I was going to say there's one relative of Anakin Skywalker yeah. left alive. Yeah, Carrie and no, well, or, Ben Solo, Kylo oh, Ren. True, yeah, but he doesn't. He's not even. He doesn't even use to go with his name. He's literally Ben Solo is his name. And he goes to Kylo Ren. So who the fuck <laughs> is the Skywalker that's rising? Which makes me think that Ray must be a member of the family. She's got to be like, she's got to be someone. I don't want them to do that because I'll owe my friend a hundred dollars. But also I don't want to like, I oh, know it just seems weird now to suddenly be the like, issue- oh no, sorry. She's a Skywalker. Like, yeah. I'd accept Kenobi. Like, also, she's British. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, like, but so the the with the whole thing like this, like they had the Star Wars was now called Legends, which was the yeah. all the material that followed the original trilogy, like in comics and books and whatnot, that was then called Star Wars Legends because Disney removed it from canon because they wanted to make their own sequel trilogy. There's so much stuff in that those books, so much source material that they could have been like, okay, we're going to draw characters from this. Because in that, Han and Leia have a son and a daughter. Yeah. Luke has a partner. Like, there's all these things. He has a son too, doesn't he? Yeah, there's all these characters that they could have used. And there's these stories, like, there's there's book stories in there. There's, like, trilogies that they're like, okay. Uh, I get that. That would have been a great use to do an adaptation of that or merge different trilogies together to create... I get that mentality back then, though, because yeah. then they would have been like, oh, my God, we have so much stuff. Mm. Like, 
no matter what we do, something's going to contradict some book that came out mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Like, what would have been, so, like, smart or, like, okay. It, it would have. Just and to I, bring somebody's character, like, okay, this is who Luke's... Like, yeah. just to pay respect to all these things, like, okay, Han and Leia had these two kids. Do whatever you want with them, but use... Okay, like, these are the two kids. This is their names. Yeah. But we're doing a different story. Mm-hmm. But we're still playing, like, okay, they still, like, they still had these children, you know? And if they had done everything well in episode seven and eight, we wouldn't even be exactly like if they had worried about created it, these. If they had used these characters and done it really well, people wouldn't complain. People no. were like this is sick. Like this is it's paying homage to legends, but doing it in a new, modern, exciting way. Yeah. But instead, they just kind of went one movie, and it's even they've even Disney's even admitted themselves they went one movie at a time with story. Yeah. That's like J.J. Abrams had a plan for what he wanted to do, and he spoke to George Lucas about what he wanted and to do. And if you're doing a trilogy, you need a plan. Yeah, you need you yeah. need an endpoint. Yeah, because it like a trilogy like this, and like the two trilogies before have it. It works as a three act structure, mm-hmm. and each obviously each movie has its own three act structure, but one has to be the introduction, like Phantom Menace or A New Hope. One's your conflict in the middle, Attack of the Clones or Empire, and one's your like your resolution, which is Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi. And they work like that. This is not that. No. This is a setup. A setup. For the next one. Yes, like like Force Awakens is a setup. Last Jedi just throws out the bin and just tries to set up something else. And it kind of, it felt like an ending to Yeah. Like we can talk shit about the prequels all we want, but at least, It's a coherent story and it all makes sense. And it all makes sense flowing into... And like the first, yeah. like the original trilogy. And yes, we may have bought tickets to go see it on, at midnight because you know we're <laughs> we're plebs. But like I don't know, it, it's just going to be weird watching it, being like, oh, but what yeah. if this is bad? Like uh, I, I know, I, I tend to be able to ignore that when I'm watching it. But like, I'm just keen to see what they kind of pull out of their ass because yeah. they they only started this like they started this late in the game. Because they fired Trevorrow, like, yes. and end of, like, after Last Jedi came yep. out, I'm pretty sure. And they bought J.J. Brack because they were like, okay, we can't do this and it just... single director-led thing. We need someone that, we need J.J. back yeah. because J.J.'s the franchise fixer. Yeah, yeah. And, and also... Like, like, he he's done knows it, what he's, he's done doing. it, but he's done it so many times. Like, he's created all these different properties yeah. that are successful. Like, he did the, like, the Star Trek reboots. Yeah. And the two that he did other like are fantastic like yeah. he, he is has been labeled a franchise fixer or a franchise like reinvigorator i suppose you could mm. say like he brings something that's already existing and does the Mission right impossible. amount of he does yeah does the right amount of fan service mm. but also creates something new that people that the fans like he understands yeah the the core rules of a franchise and uses them and doesn't just like, okay, I'm going to throw all that in the bin and do whatever I want, like mm-hmm. what Ryan Johnson did. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate Ryan Johnson more as a director, though, because like what, like what does JJ do stylistically that's... Lens flares. <laughs> so many lens flares. Yeah. Other than that, like... I think JJ... Well, stylistically, JJ is really good at, okay, this is what this franchise is. Yeah. And sticks with that. So, like, stylistically, like, in Force Awakens... That movie stylistically is the same as the like the six films before. Mm. He keeps George Lucas's style and makes it feel like a Star Wars film because he just mm. continues that. Like he 
doesn't try and change the style of something. But then Ryan John, like the style of Last Jedi is completely different to anything before. Mm. But he he's like, hey, this is what Star Wars is. This is what I'm going to, I'm going to make a Star Wars film. This is the style of Star Wars. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, with all the crossfades and yeah. like, he just makes a Star Wars film, which I'm re- which makes me hopeful for going Surely to see episode nine is that it's a Star Wars film and I know it's going to be a Star Wars film. Yeah. I don't know. Whereas, uh, no, yeah. <coughs> oh, well, well, so I guess we can hope. We literally for like the last, I don't even know how long, have been so far, I have taken us so far removed from the original trilogy, which yeah. is the topic of this episode. But I just, yeah, really wanted to talk about the whole saga itself and like what That's it fair is and obviously we knew going into this this was going to be a long episode mm. because it's just such a huge yeah. topic talking about the biggest franchise and we haven't even covered everything no this we haven't covered no. rogue one or solo or all these other things like it's kind of just this overarching story and i really wanted to tell that story of like how the original star wars movie was kind of made mm. and different elements of that and i know that i've probably spoken for this whole thing mostly no, it <laughs> was really interesting i learned a lot actually yeah so i really recommend to anyone that's interested in Star Wars to watch Empire of Dreams. Like, it's beautiful. It has all different, like, George Lucas is in it. Like, there's all these different, like, Anthony Daniels. There's different people that give, like, that are interviewed and the whole process of making these films. And, like, Anthony Daniels tells a story of how he just fell over in the C-3PO suit one day. Just just fell over and couldn't stop himself. Just (laughs) fell over. And he was just laying on the ground in the Tunisian desert. (laughs) And people were like, oh, shit. And like, he was just stuck there because <laughs> he couldn't get up because he could barely move in the yeah. thing. And like with C-3PO, there was originally like going to be a Darth Vader thing. It was going to be someone else as a voice actor. And the first couple of things, Anthony Daniels kind of was just saying the lines. And then he developed the C-3PO voice and started doing that in the scenes. And then George was actually we're just going to use that. So then obviously they did the re-record of the dialogue and it was put in over the top. Mm. So Anthony Daniels then with, yeah, the voice, because he started doing that voice and he got into the character <laughs> that he's now been doing for 42 years. Mm. Is he still voicing? Security? He's still oh, in the suit. He'll do really? Anything, yeah. yeah. Holy he's shit. He's still in that suit. Is that like the longest running character ever? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I mean... So. I mean Inside a, I would say inside a suit because like you could use the, everyone else from the original trilogy. Yeah, like, yeah. kind of still going. True. But yeah, like it's just an interest. Yeah, he's kind of in the. That's awesome. Whereas like the person that plays Chewbacca has changed and R two D two has changed because unfortunately mm. both the original actors have passed away. So there's new people in those roles, but obviously you can't tell because they're in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um. What a story. Do you guys want to add anything into that? Oh, I've spoken look. for like an hour and a half. I feel like you've nailed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff to say once we see Rise of Skywalker, yeah. but But yeah, I think I yeah, I've kind of just had um a lot of pages and notes that I went through and then kinda just went off my head. Like there's five thousand words in this word this twenty two page document that I had. Holy shit. And I mean a lot of that that I can now go through is um this fuck facts. Like, I had, like, this, like, 47 random facts. I'm obviously not going to go through all of them, but there's, like, um, random facts about the production of the film. Like, um, Bullock, the guy who played Boba Fett, could not see out of that mask. 
Like he had to be directed where to go because he physically couldn't see. If the, if there was light hitting that mic, he couldn't see out of it. He was completely blind. Um. So yeah, he had to like remember where he had to be when Darth Vader was saying something, and where he had to be when Jabba the Hutt was saying something. He it was kind of just like that line said, "I now I walk four steps this way," and then that line said, "And I walk this." Like it was kind of like hearing, and then kind of a practiced path where he had to go. That's funny. Wouldn't want to step in front of him. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I like this one. The use of the force in these movies. Because obviously you can't do, like, digital effects. But there's multiple scenes where, like, Luke Skywalker retrieves his lightsaber and mm-hmm. it flies to his hand. Do you know how they did that? They did it in they reverse. Just, yeah. Okay. He just throws it yeah. and then just play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just comes back to his hand, which is great. So, like, in um, Return of the Jedi, he throws his arm up in the air to catch, mm. like, the lightsaber. But, like, yeah, like, he's... So he's just gone. Yeah, well, he, kind of, he, like, throws it, and then he, like, wait, and then he, like, puts his... Like, and, like yeah, it's the whole reverse thing. Like, it's a great... Like, he's just, like, yep. Mm. And it goes, and he's, like, then he's, like, waiting for it to come back, but he's actually just thrown it into the sky. <laughs> like, the whole motion, he's, like, yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm doing the motion, because only you two can see me. <laughs> um, it's very entertaining. Um, they had to film the scene where Luke hits his head on the roof of Yoda's hut mm. 16 times. Do they have to film it that yeah, Because the director times, wasn't or? happy. Oh. Mark oh Hamill just didn't get his head butt right. It just kept happening. So I thought that was, you know. Um. Oh, yeah. Um. So when they're filming the whole Wampa thing in the start of Hoth, they were in Norway in the snow and they had had so much snow that day it was like minus like 20 minus 20 minus 30 outside and no one wanted to go outside so to film the scenes of Luke and Han in the snow they opened the hotel door set the camera up at the door sent Hamill and Ford out into the snow and the whole crew sat inside (coughs) with the fire going and just sitting there with the camera facing out the door and they were just just outside the hotel in the snow, and they just sat inside warm. Oh. So they had to go outside, and everyone else just stayed inside. Like, what? Genius. Yeah. Um. No, that's boring. That's boring. Yeah. So I mentioned this before. Like, Lucas bought Harrison Ford in, who had worked on, who had worked in American Graffiti, to feed lines to the actors in the auditions, but. Um, ended up picking Ford because his delivery of the lines was better mm. than anyone that auditioned. Um, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so like, I mean, there's a lot of these random facts that aren't really facts. They're kind of just random, stupid pieces of information that are really, like, just everyone knows. Um, oh, yeah. In... 1977, just after the film had come out, Mark Hamill was involved in a really serious car accident and required facial reconstruction surgery. Mm. So that's why in the start of Empire, Luke gets hit in the face by the Wampa and he has that scar. Uh-uh. So they incorporated his now deformity, like very slight, like into the film. Because at the time, like now it's really, it's like you don't really notice it, but at the time it was a noticeable line across his face. 
So for the couple of scenes before that, it's makeup over, and then they just have him smacked in the face for the rest of the movie. And um, Return of the Jedi, you can see it That's because great. they had to like it was obviously like, well, we're not going to put you in makeup for an hour over an hour mm. every day to cover this up. We'll just incorporate it into the story, and it can just be there because why yeah. not? Mm. Um, for Yoda. There was, before Frank Oz was brought on to do the puppetry for Yoda, they considered having a kid or a midget dwarf in the costume or a monkey dressed up with a mask. A monkey? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, my god. Which gosh. I find real weird. Um, that would be wild. Seven puppeteers had to control Jabba the Hutt, including three inside the suit. Mm-hmm. So there's three people inside that. That's such a gross puppet. I didn't know this. Um, the final victory song of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi was composed by Joseph Williams, lead singer of the band Toto. You're kidding. Huh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Who is gosh. also um, composer John Williams' son. There you go. Huh. So John Williams, who wrote the score, is the father of I had no idea. I didn't know that either. That's, That's just awesome. blown my mind that Joseph Williams, the leader of the band Toto, is the son of John Williams. Like, that's amazing. That's that's a fun fact. Number yeah, 22. That is a fun How fact. Is that not, no, number one's the yeah. international incident. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, was cast tev- 10 seconds after meeting Lucas. Because he was seven, he was tall. He's seven yeah. foot tall, so he was sitting there, and Lucas walked in the room, and he stood up, and he went, "Yep, that's it. We're done. Thank you." Um. Yeah. Um. Oh. Lucas had no idea how popular Boba Fett would be. He later said that if he'd known, he would have given the character a more memorable death. He even considered adding a scene where Boba Fett escapes a Sarlacc pit for a DVD release, but decided against it. There you go. Jack will see him again. I mean, in the comic, in the Legends comics and books, he get he climbs out. Yeah. And there's rumors now with the whole Mandalorian that he's going to appear. That yeah. we're leading to this. He's kind of the worst character, but like... Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it, w- it would be interesting to see him again. Yeah. Um, that's weird. Um, Frank Oz brought Miss Piggy to set with him, who he also voiced to cheer him up when he was... Having, when, no, sorry, to cheer Hamill up when Hamill oh. was having... Sorry. <laughs> to, I didn't... I missed that bit in the start. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so Frank Oz would use Miss Piggy in Dagobah. Yeah, could do his alone for yeah. like months. Yeah, because Mark, well, Mark Hamill was on that set. Just he was the only actor there, and then it was the Yoda puppet. Yeah, for ages. I thought you sound like Frank Oz just go into his trailer and just like talk to Miss Piggy. No, I just had a picture in my head of like the in Yoda's, Yoda's hut, and then like Mark Hamill turns around and instead of Yoda being there, it's just Miss Piggy, and he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Too easy. Yeah. And that's Star Wars. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lost in <Chilling>. thought. <laughs> I was just reading The Return of Lando, so there was fake scripts distributed 
for Return of the Jedi, which included fake plot points, including that Lando Calrissian was the last hope for the Jedi, as mentioned by Yoda and Obi-Wan in Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. And that, um, obviously, oh, I didn't mention that Harrison Ford didn't want to play Han Solo anymore, which is why he gets frozen in Carbonite and Empire, because he wanted oh, to be really? killed off. Oh, and that's then, true. Yeah. Yeah, they eventually got him to agree. And then that's the reason he was actually killed off in Force Awakens. Yeah. He's like, I'm coming back for one, and that's it. Because <laughs> he didn't want to do any more. I was like, I'll come back for this one. And I think and I, the Force like, Awakens... I, I felt like we all knew the well, second they said like Harrison Ford yeah. was back. or like, oh, this is in it. In Force Awakens, Harrison Ford got paid $30 million to be in that movie and gets 0.1% of all profits for that movie for all time. Holy shit. That was shit. the deal. The next highest paid actors in that film are Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Who got three million each? What? The new cast member, so Daisy. To be fair, Mark Hamill did shit all. He um, just yeah, turned around and looked. Daisy Ridley, um, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaacs got eight hundred thousand each oh, wow. for that film. So they, the three new main characters, got eight hundred thousand each. Harrison Oscar Ford Isaac's got like thirty million, and zero point one percent of profits forever. Whoa! So his estate will be getting that forever. Once he dies. Man, I should have gone into acting. Like, that's insanity. Like, he got ten times more than his original trilogy co-stars. Because that was the only way he was going to come back. Yeah. He got over 30 times more than the original, yeah. like, the <laughs> yeah, new I know. people. It's insanity. Mm. Holy shit. To be fair, he's very good in it. Like, yeah. Like, he didn't, like... He's great. He didn't crystal skull it. Like, he actually yeah. felt like... Oh, yeah, crystal skull. He did not want to be doing that at no. all. <laughs> like, I had a big, fat, dopey grin every time he comes onto yeah. a falcon with Chewie. Yeah, the first time I'm like, oh. yeah. Look, when they first walk in, he's like, Chewie, we're home. And it's like, nah! <laughs> you bastard, how'd you lose the ship in the first place? Yeah. See, and I was always fine with them dying, but, like, halfway through the movie, I was like... Oh. Yeah. He's actually really way. good. I no, but like yeah. no, like it was at that point. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh wait, I don't want him to go. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I guess yeah, we yeah. can do. Would you watch Star Wars again, Nick? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it depends how Rise of Skywalker goes. I guess I could I could totally boycott the whole franchise killer forever. I don't know uh, Rose could end up being the. Is she even in the, it? I think she. she I don't even be. know. I think she. I think there's like a frame of her in the trailer. Oh. The first scene just gets shot in the head by a stormtrooper. Thanks, let's move on. I feel so bad for that, that actress. That poor actress. She got, like, she got... Her character is in no way good in that film, but I feel so no. sorry for that. Like, she did not deserve the online hate she got. Like, yeah. no one deserves to be bullied for a character they play in a film. Like, for them, it's a job. No, they're given a script. Yeah. Like, they're given a script and direction, right? They There's... A limit to what they can do with that. Same as like Mark Hamill. Like he wasn't happy with where his character went, but he still did it because yeah. that was his character. It's his job. It's his job. And like, you know, she was obviously cast and really excited to be in Star Wars and this character. And I think in a different film, everyone would have loved her and her character. But there's this the one moment, obviously, that her character does that everyone hates her for. But that's yeah. not her fault. No, it's not no. the actress's fault. No, that like that's just a like she's, badly she's also, written she's good character. Like, she like, has she's a good, like her performance is good in that movie. I think she she does really well for what she's given. And yeah, yeah, yeah. no one deserves the online hate. Ryan Johnson deserves the online hate because <laughs> he's, like he's the he's, he's, he's the, the one guy to blame. That wrote yeah, it. it's yeah. his fault. <laughs> to be fair, he's, I'm sure he's gotten way more than her, so he's yeah. he's gotten his share. But yeah, yeah. 
obviously I say hate. Has she been not death anything? threats? I don't think she's been anything since. Yeah, not death either. threats, not anything I, like that. But yeah. you can hate on someone who wrote something and directed that mm. because any issues th- th- like with that, that is. But you can't abuse someone for it. No. Like even that, you can't abuse Ryan Johnson for what he did. But you can dislike and no, you can... Like we can say, oh, that, can was, have, that was dumb. You can have dislike and hatred towards that, but you can't hmm. go online and bully someone for that. Yeah. There's an extent. Yeah, there's a line. Like, I hate that film. <laughs> well, I don't hate that film. I hate elements of that film and obviously directly blame Ryan Johnson for those elements of the film because he's the one that introduced them. But again, I've seen other of his movies, like Knives Out, yeah. that I really enjoyed. Because he was given something, he created something from nothing. That's where you can... And that's where he's good, because he can do can, those things. You can subvert a genre in yeah. that sense. You can't, you can't, you can't do, do it to the Wars. biggest franchise of all time. You can, it's not. It was the wrong time. If it was a standalone film like a Rogue One, yes. I think yeah. he could have done a really w- good job, but not with episode eight. Yeah. You 100%. know, what, well, that's your penult- penultimate? Yes. Is that the word? Yeah. Film in a franchise. Yeah. Like, you don't do that. And it just felt like, just the end of that movie, it didn't feel like there was going to be a sequel and like, for the last the two years. The entire rebellion years, is on like, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, That's yeah. it. And it's like, how do you, and now there's a whole fleet. It's like, what are you doing, bro? Anyway, okay. That's <laughs> Bit of a tangent. I'd watch Star Wars again. Yeah, I'd definitely watch it all again. Yeah. I mean, I kind of really want, I'm excited to show my children these films. Yeah. Like, I'm excited, like, you know, to introduce people. Mm. Like, I, well, I say that. I introduced my girlfriend to them a few months ago, and she hates stuff. We never finished it. <laughs> oh, no. So oh. I gave up on that. But she's really enjoying the Marvel movies, so you I've compromised. Some, you yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And she enjoys Lord of the Rings, so I think we're – it's just Star Wars. And I think her, she's from a family that never really, like, watched it, and, she, like, she, like, it was obviously her first time seeing them. And I think it's kind of like if someone's not really that interested in it. Mm. Yeah, you got you got to get over that hurdle if you needle yeah. it to be like you got yeah. like because I feel like we like it because we appreciate the story and the saga. I also like it because I watched the for the first time when I was mm. like four years old. Yeah, that too. And I've grown up with it, and it's something I've grown up yeah. with as a kid. Whereas people that don't, I think people like See, that don't grow up with it as a kid don't appreciate as much because it's not something yeah. they're watching these movies for the first time I was like oh it wasn't necessarily something I grew up with because like I would like I would watch it at like my nan's house because yeah. my cousins had the DVDs because like my, my house was really weird because like the prequel trilogy was M rated so oh. I, was like, I was like nah here's me <laughs> watching that. the prequel trilogy <laughs> as a four year old it's like so like four, I, yeah five and I guess I'd sneak, Four, six and nine. yeah, like I'd mm. sneakily watch it, yeah, and then I just kind of forgot about it for like years because I, d- I didn't have Foxtel, yeah. I couldn't watch the Clone Wars. Well, I remember and like it just kind of came back into my life, and I was like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, I remember like Lord of the Rings came out at a similar time. Yeah, and I remember I wasn't allowed to go to the movies to watch the three of them, but as soon as they came to DVD, I was because I was like a little kid, yeah. you know, like five, six, seven, whatever. Mum and Dad went to see them. To check that, like to watch it first, because if you yeah. take a kid to see something in your first viewing and it turns out <laughs> see, there might be something that's not appropriate, that's what my mum would do. But she'd you know, never go see them. We'd be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Whereas mum and dad were really interested in them. They've always been like, both my parents have been long, fa- like lifetime fans of like these sci-fi things and fantasy things and stuff like that. Like they both grew up on Doctor Who and then Star Wars and 
know, they really enjoyed all those things like X-Files through the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I've grown up with all those things and seen all these shows. So then when, you know, Lord of the Rings came out, they obviously, they went and watched them first because they were excited to go and see them. And then I remember like eight, after each one came to DVD, I got to watch them. So I obviously never got to see Lord of the Rings at the movies, but it was again the same thing. Watching these films as a kid mm. gives you the appreciation, I think, more than people that come to it as an adult. I think you can suspend your disbelief yeah. a bit better as a child. Yeah. And I guess... Oh, oh, Nick. Sorry, that was very close to the mic. I don't, I don't ah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, especially Star Wars, like, if you go watch a movie now, like a movie like this from the 70s and 80s with these, this level of visual effects now as an adult mm. for something you've never seen. Yeah. I think it's harder to enjoy. Yeah. Or as a kid, that's still mind-blowing because you don't understand. Like, it's still like, obviously, yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. Mm. The only thing that got me into Star Wars was because I, I thought like the whole alien stuff was like really weird. Mm. I only got into it because Han Solo was described to me as a space cowboy, and my favorite character back yeah. then was Sheriff Woody. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was like, oh hell yeah, it's a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think, and obviously, uh, you guys both get your rating, and we kept getting on tangents. So I would definitely, you know, watch this all again. And excellent. Yeah, good. I think that'll do for that. Big, yeah, that's almost two, we're almost at two hours. Yeah, <laughs> longest episode yet, but you know it was it was going to happen. Yeah. No. Um, so I guess we can just move on to. Do we want to wait till next week to say what we're excited for? Or yeah, you, you can cut this conversation out. No, <laughs> yeah, do we want to do that? Yeah, up to you. Yeah, cat. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean. And we can just we have been going for two hours. Yeah, okay. So. We'll um, leave it there. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Jacob. I'm Nick. And I'm Kat. Also, next week's Die Hard because it's Christmas. I forgot to say that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See die you guys hard. next time for Christmas, the greatest Christmas movie ever. Woo! Bye. <laughs>